Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to the corner. AT Corner. It's Bond. James Bond. Okay, now we're going down a rabbit hole. We just started because I could talk about James Bond all day. <laughs> but to save the listeners from that conversation, which, by the way, Daniel Craig is my favorite James Bond. Feel free to message us on that uh, opinion. Uh, what are we talking about today, babe? We're talking about physical therapy and athletic trainers. Ooh, this is a good one. Yeah, because there are so many similarities between our professions, but there are also a lot of differences. Yeah, absolutely. And clinically, we work alongside with physical therapists. Uh, we know athletic trainers who have gone to PT, and we've also known uh, PTs who have gone uh, to athletic training. I think this episode can be helpful for both athletic trainers and physical therapists to know each other better. So don't be shy if you're a physical therapist tuning in for the first time. Absolutely. And I think it'll be important for students as well. You know, a lot of students are torn about which one they like better or what what profession will suit what they want to do better. But before we start, I do want to go into the definition of what athletic training is because in this episode, we do talk a lot more about what the scope of physical therapy is. So let's go ahead and define athletic training by saying that we are healthcare professionals who prevent, clinically diagnose, treat, and rehab injuries and medical conditions in collaboration with a physician. So... As athletic trainers, that definition has been ingrained in our heads because we do have to do a lot of educating and letting people know what we do. So what most people may not know, because the name can be kind of confusing, athletic trainers are a lot closer to the PT scope than we are to personal trainers. And again, we get that, like, because of our title, we get that confusion a lot. Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and introduce Scott? Yeah, so Scott is a dual-credentialed PT and certified athletic trainer. He received his doctorate of physical therapy at Long Beach State. Don't worry, I don't give him a hard time about it all the time. Um, he also completed his ortho residency at Long Beach State. He received his athletic training degree from Chapman University. Where I went to school with him. So currently, Scott's a pretty busy guy. He works at Offset Med doing clinical education and treatment of dancers, in particular hip-hop and breakers. Yeah, more like the urban scene. He also works in Culver City with BSP Physical Therapy inside a tighter U gym. And then he also teaches orthopedic interventions lab to Cal State Long Beach physical therapy students. So let's hear from Scott. So starting off with our cryo breakers and cryo breakers for those of us who are new. Cryo breakers are ice breakers, but in the athletic training and <laughs> yeah, we, we had clinical ner- world. We had to nerd it up a little bit. <laughs> so nerdy. <laughs> Scott, what made you become an athletic trainer? Yeah, so starting off, I didn't even know what athletic training was. Like I played water polo in high school, played club, and did swimming. So I was always upper extremity, chronic overuse <laughs> sports. <laughs> Um, I mean, I had injuries during water polo where I got to a point where I was just swimming until my the sensation of my arms felt like noodles and I was just flapping them around. Oh, man. Um, it didn't get bad until I went to Mount Sac and I was playing. and ended up getting a sharp shooting pain down my arm, numbness and tingling. Um, and I was like, what the heck's going on? I tried pushing through it. Um, 
And then I got to the point where I had to like sit myself out. And then mm -hmm. from there, I was referred to the athletic trainer at Mount Sac. When I was at Mount Sac, the athletic trainers were telling me kind of like, oh, this is happening. Your shoulders are weak, blah, 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 leading to compensation of upper trap and scalenes, which pinches on this nerve, brachial plexus, from what we know now, um, causing thoracic outlet syndrome. And I was like, what? That's insane. Um, so then from there, I followed up. I was like, oh, anatomy seems dope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and take anatomy. And from there, um, I fell in love with it. And I got referred to go and work with Andy Pollan at Mount Sac. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah. So I did my prereq hours there. Um, and from there, that's, that's how it all started. Nice. Um, knowing that, I, I knew I wanted to be an AT because that was something that... I was passionate about and I wasn't really passionate about anything else in my life at that time besides mm. polo or polo. So um, I put all my eggs in the basket for that. Um, and so, you know, when you find a passion, you got to go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, exactly. That's really cool, Scott. What, uh, yeah. what made you go into your next chapter in life and pursue uh, physical therapy? Um, after going through my my hours at Mount Sac, and I, I mean, I was happy with it. Um, but after seeing how much work we put in, how much work Andy puts in, how much work the other students put in, um, I noticed that it was, the burnout rate was high. Mm -hmm. Thinking back then, I didn't know what burnout was. I just thought of it as you're just overworking and you lose motivation for things. Um, now I see burnout as more of something else of like, you almost lose focus of why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to the first definition of just overworking, um, I saw that a lot in the 80s. I saw that it, was, it wasn't it was a typical nine to five job. Um, it was a lot of travel, it was a lot of extra hours on the weekends. It was a lot of just extra work. And I knew that later on down the road, I wanted to support a family and be there for my family and have time mm -hmm. for them on the weekends and so on, right? Um, so that was one reason. Another reason is I wanted to work. From what I saw, um, I felt like ATs are almost only limited to athletics. However, now we know that it's not just athletics. Mm -hmm. We're working gen pop. We're working at these big corporate companies. Um, and these ATs are hired there as like ergonomic assessment, risk management, mm -hmm. all that stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome where we've come. Uh, but going back to thinking that it was on the athletics, I knew I wanted to work with a bigger patient population. Mm -hmm. uh, after figuring out ET was my passion, I figured out that I really like to help people, either do teaching or hands-on care, whatever it was. I knew that physical therapy would allow me to reach a bigger patient population. So working with like neuro, stroke patients, spinal cord injuries, mm -hmm. all that stuff, right? Um, and then the last one is doing grade five mobilizations. You <laughs> <laughs> just feel, it just feels so awesome when you do it. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a quick, it's a quick, easy change treatment and you get a quick change. Right. So, but not everyone. <laughs> needs it. That's so awesome. Can you explain for our listeners who are maybe like students that don't know what a grade five mobilization is? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, easy one for people to remember what it is, is, what's basically what chiropractors do. Mm -hmm. Chiropractors mm -hmm. deemed it as the adjustments. Mm -hmm. PTs deemed it as HVLAs, which is basically 
high velocity, low amplitude mm -hmm. mobilizations or mm -hmm. grade five mobilization or a manipulation. Um, and then DOs, I, I don't know what DOs call it, but DOs are the ones that are the OGs that <laughs> created it. <laughs> Those are the doctors of osteopaths. Mm -hmm. All right, this is one uh, uh, that we love to use. And Another takes... one gets to know you a little bit. Yes. <laughs> what is your athletic training slash physical therapy spirit animal? It could be a modality, rehab tool, tape, braces, etc. Any tool of the trade that best represents you? It's going to be ultrasound because I'm all about that placebo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> um, it's more anything that has to do with like my hands, like soft tissue mobilizations, all that stuff. I've, I've always been very hands-on with my care. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, um, I did a lot. I really enjoyed my clinicals that had a lot of hands-on therapy, hands-on treatment, manual therapy stuff. Um, I just saw the the amount of patient buy-in was there when you do hands-on any type of like physical touch. Mm -hmm. um, even now as an as a PT, um, when you do any types of hands-on care, there's a there's a specific um, connection that you get with the patients. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. they kind of like loosen up and they trust you a little bit more. They kind of relax a little bit more. Um, and me personally, I like feeling what what is dysfunctional, what is not moving, what is hyper. When you say hypermobile, what is stiff? What isn't moving well? What, what's moving too much? It gives me a better understanding of what's going on. Um, and right, like the patient care you do for manual therapy, you can super quick. Um, you get a quick change, you get that patient buy-in, and patients love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they come back, and you support that with like their exercises, right? So maybe some patients are like, oh, I don't want to do any strengthening stuff because this hurts and you do a mm -hmm. quick soft tissue whatever it's doing is it really changing anything nah, it's more basic probably comfort mm -hmm. at that point um where you can further push them on to do their exercises nice that's awesome i like that mm -hmm. okay so we at he corner like to pair evidence and experience mm -hmm. so the evidence here is what you're going to talk about with physical therapy, but we also want to know your experience. So um, let's start off with a story of you working as a physical therapist in a capacity that probably people don't know about, or um, especially like something that maybe athletic trainers might not know that physical therapists do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the typical thing that you might not see, like physical therapists are everywhere. Um, mm -hmm we're a lot in like hospitals and stuff uh, and we're usually there the typical thing that you guys will know is we're there post-op like after surgery um but some people might not know that we're actually there after a stroke right we're we're, we're there after an individual gets a stroke we're there to figure out we assess the, the severity of the stroke mm -hmm. like what is affected and we basically need to be able to determine if they're ready to go home safely if not, mm -hmm. then we are able to create a rehab program where they can ambulate and walk around their house safely and go up and down stairs, whatever they need to do. Um, so that's one of the things. Another thing is through my time as a clinician, I've seen these injuries that we normally as ATs would be like, oh, <laughs> we're referring this out. <laughs> like, what, what are we going to do with this? Like, this is not outside of our scope, but it's 
we don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be like someone with a positive vertebral artery test. Mm-hmm. Right? You think, oh, like you do the vertebral artery test, rotation, extension of the neck, and you start mm-hmm. seeing like they're slurring their speech, their eyes are rolling back. <laughs> You're like, all right, you probably have something going on with your routine, Rory. I'm going to refer you out. Yeah. Um, and as a PT, I've, I was like, dude, this is positive. Uh, what, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, dude, you got a referral and it's positive. Yeah, the physician knows. <laughs> You're still going to treat him, though. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, <laughs> well we got to figure out what we're going to do. So he, this individual had discomfort or like got his symptoms and rotating had to the left to like check his blind spot, right? Mm-hmm. With driving. So we actually were able to modify and focused on more of the thoracic and lumbar spine rotation when driving rather than cervical. Therefore you don't keep you don't keep that vertebral artery. Um, and it's I mean AT I mean like PTs that, that was something interesting that I saw um, as a PT that I didn't see as an AT. Um, it's more like that that rare, those rare cases where you wouldn't really see as an AT. Mm-hmm. Um, other stuff is like spinal cord injuries, uh, any like Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. Like working with like neuro patients is very different from what you would see as an AT. And I don't know if ATs know that. Um, there's a whole other world than ortho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really very would, true. But I would consider us ATs as almost like ortho specialists, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, other stuff you would see, like there are like sports specialist PTs out there, right? There's like after you graduate from PT school, you can go and specialize in whatever you want. want. And there's actually a clinical sports clinical specialist. And do that mm-hmm. residency, you're actually shadowing an AT. You're on the field with an AT. <laughs> oh, wow. That's interesting. I never well, knew right? that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you get to work with like you're doing rehab on these D1 athletes, you're doing rehab on these pro athletes, um, and you're also on the field with the AT. So that's another thing that maybe some ATs don't know about. Oh, that's right. So yeah. they're almost Here's two starting to merge. Yeah. yeah, I think those are the biggest ones, I would say. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's perfect. So why don't we start going into, I mean, we've been talking about what you do as a physical therapist, but why don't we start to put a definition to this as what is a physical therapist? Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, what is a physical therapist? I mean, I'll give you like, I'll give you from straight from uh, <laughs> American Physical Therapy Association. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, from their website, they say physical therapists are movement experts who improve quality of life through prescribed exercise, hands-on care, and patient education, mm. right? Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty broad, but. Very uh, broad. That's what physical therapists are. I was going to uh, say, it sounds like it just kind of does hit the nail on the head, even though it's broad. Like it, I would say that's the general sense that I would get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's very broad because, I mean, I would say PTs are doing very broad things. Like we learn, we learn how to care from newborn all the way to end of life to like hospice right mm-hmm. and from there you can specialize in like, these different niches of like neuro cardiopalm orthopedics public floor pediatric geriatrics all that stuff oh that's something you didn't know like pts can actually work pelvic floor <laughs> i know a pt who does pelvic floor yeah 
it's very it's a very specialized niche and that's a big part of your life right mm-hmm. you're, are you are you leaking are you unable to control um, your bowels are you having discomfort with intercourse right mm-hmm. that's a big thing like if yeah. you're having discomfort with intercourse then your quality of life depending on if you're depending on that um, goes to crap basically mm-hmm. um, and so you can see public for PTs for that and that's pretty awesome that I didn't know about yeah that's interesting yeah so, yeah. so broad with all the mm-hmm. different specialties mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um, as you go through education programs and conferences you know especially in California you start to get the sense that there's a really huge divide between athletic trainers and physical therapists but at the clinical you know, in my experience, I feel like we have a good mutual respect for each other and we understand what we do and we respect each person's standpoint. Um, have you ever felt someone treat you differently because you were an AT going through a PT program? Going through it, a lot of people didn't know what ATs were. And I, I see it as a positive because it was my chance to educate them. Coming from Chapman University, having Jason there, mm-hmm. Jason um, Bennett there. And he was very passionate, right? We're always going to Sacramento. We're always lobbying. Um, so I was just always, I was just gung-ho, new, <laughs> new AT, um, going in and telling people, like, oh, I'm a freaking AT. Like, yeah, you should support this bill. Like, do you even know what we do? No, don't you just work <laughs> in the gym? No, I don't just work in the gym. That's a freaking personal trainer. Uh, it just pisses me off still. Uh, <laughs> Us too. Did. Um, so... I saw that as a chance to educate. So as an AT, they thought I was just a personal trainer and they're like, oh yeah, we have other personal trainers in the program. I'm like, no, I'm not just a person. I'm not a personal trainer. Um, I do this, this, and this. And they're like, oh shoot, I didn't know that. And so when we did our first ortho class, right, um, that was almost, I wouldn't say a breeze for me, but it was very familiar for me. Mm -hmm. And it it showed, you can see that um, I had another AT in my class. And she was, she was more of the OGAT. She was eight years out rather than me being like one year out. Oh, wow. So, so you can see there's a difference between all the other, all the other people there in that classroom versus me and her, mm-hmm. right? Like we were very comfortable doing special tests. We were very comfortable MMT and palpations, MMT is mountain muscle testing, checking for strength. Mm-hmm. We were very familiar with all these orthopedic techniques. Um, mm-hmm. And you can see, you can see all these, these other students over here are just like when you when we go into like soft tissue, they're like like poking, like, oh, how does that feel? <laughs> and we're freaking going ham, we're like digging deep, we're like, how does that feel? And they're like, oh my god. I'm like, yeah, like we don't mess around, like we're not here for like <laughs> so, like massages and stuff. Like we gotta potentially create what we thought back then change in the tissue. Mm-hmm. So that was like a positive of it, like or the like after the students, other students saw us, they knew what ATs were. They saw like how much like clinical practice and skills that we had going into PT. And actually it was surprising to hear like, damn, like some of the students were like, damn, like I wish I, I wish I <laughs> did AT before I went to PT school. Like your, <laughs> your experiences like really show. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I could see that too with my other colleague that was an AT compared to other PT students, right? Um, mm-hmm. But at the end, we're all we're all just healthcare providers trying to help each other. Exactly, um, and I think that's I the biggest that. thing. Um, you yeah. kind of touched on this a little bit, and especially with PTs having such a broad scope, um, what find the differences in schooling, like in the curriculum? 
Yeah, so I'll start off with <clears throat> kind of stuff that PTs aren't taught and what we learned in AT school. Mm -hmm. um, gen med, gen med assessments, right? Are we, oh, interesting. Yeah, like, like palpating, like going really deep into like understanding like, like understanding like, okay, like where to palpate the spleen, um, mm -hmm. duodenum, all that stuff, right? Um, we go through a little bit of it in our cardio palm class and all that, but it's not to the extent of like understand like, oh shoot, do you have a ruptured spleen? All that mm -hmm. stuff like we would learn in um, method training. All right, and emergency care is like a big, I mean, it's a big part of it that PTs are not taught. Mm -hmm. So I would say ATs, if you look at like where we excel is emergency care, that mm -hmm. on-field assessment stuff, right? Being able to quickly think on our feet. Uh, like, okay, like, do we need a referral? Are they good? Are they going to die? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, do we need to do what, what do we need to do? Basically is something that I saw that we learned a lot in AT compared to PT. Um, other stuff that I would say that we didn't learn in AT and we learned in PT was wound care. Right? We learned a little bit of wound care in AT, but mm -hmm. to, the extent, to the extent of like pressure ulcers, Pressure mm -hmm. ulcers are basically mm -hmm. when you're sitting for a long period of time, it's basically something that's immobile, like the tissue starts to break down. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting like almost like one to two or even three inch deep, um, basically like holes in your, whatever your most common is in the sacrum. You'll mm -hmm. see. Wow. All right. So you, you get to the point where you can actually see the sacrum and you're working wow. on, okay, you gotta, you gotta get rid of all the dead tissue and you gotta create a better environment use a vacuum seal to get that healing to occur. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Right. Yeah, so that's something in PT that we learned. Um, neuro is a big one. We learn cranial nerves, we learn dermatomes, myotomes, but we don't learn the extent of like, how to like rehab stroke patients, Parkinson's disease, MS, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then something that I wish we, we got more of as ATs, it was like movement assessments, right? Mm -hmm. During my sports PT class, we were we went through different phases of swimming, pitching, vertical jump, bike riding, cutting, right? Like for like a baseball pitch, we broke down every single portion of a pitch, right? We looked at what's the, how much shoulder rate reduction are they getting? How much elbow flexion? Where's their trunk leaning? Um, do they have a hip drop? Whereas are they getting femoral internal rotation? Are they getting tibial internal rotation? All that affects everything. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to learn that using, like you basically just use an app on your phone. You can just use your phone and you just record it and you can go through slow-mo and you're able to create these angles and you can see where they're dropping. And we learn if the elbow drops, you're setting them up for this, this, and this problem. Uh -huh. And that was nice to see and learn. Um, Another thing is uh, spine interventions. We learned a little bit in AT. Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to change though, because I've had I've met some other athletic trainers now that are knowledgeable in spinal treatment, like yeah. mm -hmm. right, and they've actually learned grade fives. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is freaking. So I didn't have to go to PT school for this, <laughs> um, which was nice to see. I think that was a big one for me was the spine. With as I'm, I'm very interested in the spine. I plan on yeah. going to a fellowship in the spine later on. 
And I've noticed that too with a lot of like the continuing education units have really focused a lot on low back and interventions there. Yeah, because low back is low back is the most common injury that you will see in PT clinic. Interesting. So we talked about the schooling and how that's different. Um, but what do you find the biggest differences with ATs and PTs clinically? And I know that you work with a lot of athletic trainers still, and you obviously have in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So depending on, I would say, I mean, for sure is the emergency care. Mm-hmm. ATs excel, right? Um, but I think ATs also excel, depending on the PT's background. If I were to put, I mean, it's all dependent on the clinician. Mm-hmm. If, but if I was to put, if I were to put a PT with an AT and to work with a sports athlete, I feel like an AT would blow it out the water. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, <laughs> we're you know, we're always there. We're always watching practice. We're always watching drills. Mm-hmm. We're basically doing movement assessments every single day of an athlete. We're able to mimic what movements they do, right? And we're able to understand, okay, like this is a, the level of intensity that this athlete needs to be at. Like, we're not going to just give... I mean, depending on if the athlete needs it, like we're not just going to give like wall sits or like squats, mm-hmm. right? We need to go more sports specific to that point. Mm-hmm. And I would say ATs are ATs are good at that. They're able to get athletes back to sport faster because mm-hmm. that is the environment that they're used to working in. Higher level exercises, all that stuff. Makes I mean, sense. Because um, usually like the general pop, for PTs, they're not going to really be at that level. And it's you'll see it very commonly in PTs. We're, we're underloading our athletes. We're underloading our patients. They're not adapting because we're too used to freaking doing, all right, let's just do your eyes, eyes, and T's. All right, let's just do your body weight squats. It's like, no, like, get them in the gym. <laughs> Load yeah. them up. Train them like athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to adapt and change. And I see that APs are good at doing that. Nice. What for you is the most difficult part about being a physical therapist? Uh, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've heard that answer yeah. before. Insurance, <laughs> documenting, insurance and documenting, man. Um, basically, documentation is a killer. Um, it takes a lot of time, but it's, it's what you need to do. Right? You need to do that to get reimbursed by insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to do it to CYA cover your ass, basically. All right, yeah. you got to document everything you're doing. I think that's the that's a big part of it. But also, through my, I, I guess it's through my time. I might I don't know if I saw this as an AT. I probably did, and I just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is our chronic pain patients mm-hmm. or patients that have had that mindset of like, oh, I got an MRI. It says I have a two millimeter disc bulge. That's why my back hurts. It's like we're, we're, we're screwed because your mindset is thinking, no, oh, I have a herniated disc. This is causing my pain. So anything I do that bend, anything bending forward is going to hurt my back. Therefore, I'm going to have increased anxiety. Therefore, I'm not going to move in that motion. Therefore, I'm going to get stiff. And it's just a spiral down. Right? Yeah. Those are the patients that you're, that I have trouble with chronic pain patients, fear avoidant mm-hmm. patients, right? At that point, if you're getting, dealing with those patients, you're throwing the kitchen sink at them, mm-hmm. and, right? Because the long, yeah, exactly, shotgun approach. You're all just saying, you're doing whatever they think that's gonna help, just freaking do it. Because yeah. 
once they they stop doing they stop moving and they stay stagnant then the longer time they're out of work the longer the higher chances of them not returning back to work and then going disability and their life ends up being ruined because all they're focusing on is pain and then for pain they're going to get opioids and then opioids are going to just they're going to (laughs) go they're going to be opioid addict and that's just going to change the central nervous system so it's just a downward spiral of crazy stuff going on um i mean i'm i'm sure we saw i saw that as with athletes the chronic my chronic pain athletes Mm -hmm. um but at that point i didn't have the knowledge behind understanding what to do with them yeah i have a piggyback off that actually um you brought up opioids and that begs the question as physical therapists what's your role with medications yeah we can't (laughs) we can't prescribe medications Mm -hmm. right um well, we have to learn the medications, right? We take pharmacology class. We, uh-huh. we have to understand what interacts with what, what are some side effects, right? Mm-hmm. Opioids is a is a respiratory depressant. So we're going to understand that if they're on opioid, they're going to fatigue faster. They're going to have shortness of breath. They're going to have decreased oxygen intake, right? So they have a higher chance of syncope fainting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to understand that. But in terms of our scope of pharmacology and drugs, like we can't. Prescribe anything. Uh, I know if someone has like, um, I don't know, like an acute injury, right? And you're like, oh, you should probably take some NSAIDs, but you can't say it like that. You'd be like, well, if I was you and this happened to me, I would take NSAIDs. Okay. Like a pseudomedic, not like ibuprofen. Yeah. If if I was you, I'm not saying you need to do it, but if I was you. So you touched on it a little bit already, but what is the most rewarding part of being a physical therapist? I would say it's just like athletic training. It's getting those patients feeling better, right? Either during that same treatment or um, after a few sessions, right? Mm-hmm. Getting them back to doing what they love, right? So like, imagine like someone, like, like I had a patient, um, seven years of headaches and migraines wow. on opioids, on opioids, like heavily addicted, like has all these other things going on, like hypothyroidism, um, like I forgot what it was called, like something going on with the ovarian. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, there's so many chemicals going on, chronic pain, all this stuff, right? And she gets like nerve ablations. So literally like, er- like everything you can think of. Um, wow. after, after like a good amount of sessions with her, we were able to get her off of pain meds. Her, the intensity of her headaches and burning sensations decreased, right? And you can just see like her being so much happier and less and so much less pain. Wow. Like, wow, that's awesome. Seeing someone go through seven years of constant headaches and on opioids constantly to not being on opioids and decrease amount of headaches and pain, like um, I saw that as a win. Right. And like really changing those those patients and like controlling their pain. Um is why I do what I do. Uh, I just love <laughs> to see people smile and laugh um, and go back to what they love. Really, living in pain is not fun. No, I not cannot imagine seven years. That's just crazy. Yeah, right? Well, well, like you said, too, it just shows like when you can wake up that day and not have that pain you've had for seven years, just how difference it can make in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Because if you're having pain constantly, that's all you're focusing on. 
And yeah. it's exhausting. It's going to be exhausting. Your life is basically revolves around that. And um, I don't think that's a good quality of life. No, not at all. Um, I have a question for you, and I didn't mm-hmm. prep you for this, so sorry, <laughs> off the off the, <laughs> off the top of your head. Um, mm-hmm. I know a little bit about PTs and direct access versus mm-hmm. athletic trainers who work in collaboration with a physician, but obviously um, we're not always with a physician. Um, mm-hmm. Like we can have standing orders for per se. Um, what do you... I don't know how to ask this actually, but <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, um, what am I trying to say, Randy? <laughs> You're asking about direct access. Yeah, I'm asking about direct access. How it differs from being an AT, or yeah, or can you tell us a little bit more about yeah. direct access? Of course, yeah. So I we'll don't know off. much about it. Obviously, I can't yeah. put a question about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll start off with the definition of what direct access is, right? So. Direct access started, it's been uh, like five years now or so. Mm -hmm. Basically, we created a deal with physicians to where we don't need a physician's referral to see a patient. So literally anyone off the street can come see us without a referral, Mm -hmm. which is freaking dope, which is awesome, right? Because it can take forever for a person to get a referral. Mm -hmm. Okay, so direct access will allow us to see a patient for either 45 days or 12 treatment sessions, whichever one comes first. Mm-hmm. After that, they need to get a referral from a physician to continue seeing us, okay? Um, and that's that's just like bottom line, like if it's insurance or it's cash, no matter what, that's mm-hmm. what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I go through that route as, as my private practice for me treating patients privately, that's mm-hmm. what I do. Um, mm-hmm. I have them sign a procedure, contract, all that stuff saying like, okay, like, this is you're getting direct access. You understand that you don't need a referral, but I can only see her 12 visits or 45 days, whichever one comes first. Baba, you agree to this, and so on, so on, so on. So that's direct access, right? We traded that off for physicians, so physicians can start to own PT practices, mm-hmm. right? So that you see that trade-off where it's they're almost not monopolizing, but it's a it's a kickback to themselves. So mm-hmm. those physicians are making bank, right? Yeah, they do a surgery. Rehab, surgery again, rehab, right? So it's it's just a constant flow of money. Um, and we, we trade that off to get direct access. Um, as an AT though, right? Because Offset Med, my private business, where mm-hmm. we have ATs like Aaron, Aaron Norm, mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing private patients, right? Mm-hmm. However, we're getting away with it and saying it's not rehab because if it's rehab, then that becomes PT. Okay. Got it. Right, we we call it health coach. We call it strength and conditioning. Oh, okay. Performance therapy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's where you can get away with okay, it's a strength and conditioning thing, and there is no limit, right? That's the same thing mm-hmm. with PTs. If we we hit a limit and we're like, oh shoot, we're not going to get a referral, we're just going to deem whatever treatment that we're doing is uh, a maintenance program. If there's a maintenance program, there's no cap. Right. As long as it's not, as long as there's not anything crazy skilled therapy, like you're not doing a crazy amount of joint mobs, mm-hmm. right? You're not treating a new injury. They recently got a new flare up of a nerve, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's more just like strength and conditioning stuff, okay. and like random strengthening. So that's the way you can get through it as an AT. Is you you change it into being a 
Shane, think anything? Um, that's kind of something that reminds me of how, as an athletic trainer, when I'm working at the, the very large theme park that I'm not allowed to name, um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me about how, as athletic trainers, we can't work on um, any uh, workers, comp. workers' comp injuries. So, and those can be seen by physical therapists or physicians. But in order for me to see that, like I can treat them beforehand and I can Mm -hmm. treat them before they're in pain. But really when they say pain, then it has to go through a physician and then the physician can give an AT work order that I can then see them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey Scott, I heard, uh, I heard that workers comp paperwork's a blast. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, it depends on which workman's comp. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some of them are like pretty brutal because it's like, I had one patient, um, he worked for a, an airplane <laughs> company <laughs> and right. He had to be able to carry, like he had to either carry 40 pounds, 75 pounds, either standing, how long is he standing, walking. Basically we broke down every, how many hours of each movement that he needs to do for his work. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like six hours of standing, holding like 45 pounds and lifting the overhead. And basically each session I had to reassess, okay, how much closer is he able to go? Is he doing five pounds this week? Is he doing 10 pounds this week? How much pain does he have? How long is he able to hold it for? How long is he able to stand for? And you have to basically, okay, like, is there anything new? Is there anything changing? What's limiting him from being able to go better? It's like, holy. Um, So you have to document all of that and send Mm -hmm. it over. And if you're off on any of it, they're going to kick it back and be like, we're not paying for this because your documentation didn't meet our requirements or follow a lot of like, it's not, but you didn't document well, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Wow. Um, that's some workman's comp. Other workman's comp is just like traditional PT. <laughs> okay. Uh, just like one little form in the beginning of like, oh, okay, this is the ICT. This is the code that you're, di- you're, tra- you're billing for. And this is how many visits that they're cleared for. This is where their pain is. And this is their outcome measure. This is what they scored on. Uh-huh. That's about it. Nice. Well, yeah. that mostly wraps up our main questions. So I think one of the one of the biggest ones that I wanted to touch upon was what do you recommend for a student to consider when choosing their career pathway between physical therapy and athletic training? And like you said, a lot of your PT classmates didn't know about athletic mm-hmm. training and, and had mentioned that that would have been a, a cool career pathway to do before PT. And I know a lot of athletic trainers do pursue physical therapy. So, um, I mean, there's a lot in there's, there's a lot that is similar between them and there's mm-hmm. a lot that's different. So mm-hmm. what would you recommend for a student when they're choosing? Yeah. So I'd recommend starting off is, like what setting do you want to be in? I, <laughs> I wrote this out. So I was like, um, <laughs> perfect. It depends on like what you're looking for. Are you looking for emergency care? Thinking on your feet with basically time ticking behind your back on if you need to save this person's life <laughs> mm-hmm. or with time behind your back and you're thinking, okay, if this person needs to be doing squats with a hip or knee bias and if there's enough manual time, manual treatment time or exercises before the next patient comes in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, it's either like save a life, like refer out, or crap, I have enough time to treat this patient or do these techniques before my next patient comes. 
<laughs> those are the I mean that's like something I just thought about and I was like I was like I mean we're we're both stressed out in our mm-hmm. jobs but stressed out in a different way yeah that's a good way to put it for sure yeah um, but I would say like if you're gonna choose whichever one you want to go into you got to think about okay like I know some people that that were dabbling between ATs or PTs but I know this one person was like no like I want to go AT because I like that emergency care. I like being on the field. I like being in the sun. I don't want to be in an office. That's uh, my as, reason. <laughs> right. As PTs, you can you can not be in the office. You can you can control your clinic however you want. You can put mm-hmm. a treatment table outside. You can do all your rehab outside if you want. Right. But you also have to think about like the population that you're going to work with. Like PTs can work with sport athletes directly, just pure sport athletes or they work with the general population. If you're an AT and you want to work general pot, you want to work with like neuro patients, stroke patients, I would go PT route. Mm -hmm. Because you won't see a lot of ATs going that neuro route. Um, I mean, to my knowledge, I don't know if any are, um, but I could be wrong. Um, And another reason to further understand if you want to go AT or PT is just freaking throw into the field, like shadow. Shadow someone. Mm-hmm. If you want, you, you can shadow to anyway to get into the to get into programs. Yeah, right. And you need to you need to step into the shoes and into the office with that profession and figure out. All right, is this what I want to do? Is this is this light a fire up my butt and figure out this is what I'm motivated doing? Right? Because if you if you go straight into like AT or PT and you've never sat in on a full day with that person you're not going to really know what you're getting yourself into, mm-hmm. right? If you don't really know what you're getting yourself into, you're not going to be passionate about it. If you're not passionate mm-hmm. about it. You're just going to be working hours, right? I mean, go back to our first concept of burning out. Mm-hmm. If, you're not, yeah, if exactly. you're not passionate about what you're doing and you lose focus of why you're doing it, you're going to burn out. You're going to just think, man, how many more hours have I got? Man, I still have to see this patient. I still have five more hours. It's like, no, like, if you're passionate about it, like, oh, this person's freaking coming to me for help. Like, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to understand everything that I can do to help this person. If I don't know it, I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm going to research it. What can I do tomorrow and help them? Right? Um, so you got to find your passion for what you're doing. And starting from finding your passion is understanding what that profession does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, uh, I'm sure, like you said, PTs are broadening their scope and um, working along ATs Mm -hmm. in the, especially in sports settings, but then also athletic trainers, you're finding us more in industrial setting, in, um, in physicians clinics and Mm -hmm. and other, other ways that. Most people don't think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like physician extenders, right? Yeah. Like there's people in Boeing that I know of that are working there. Yeah, um, Lay's like packing factory. And Amazon. Right? Yeah, yeah. Amazon. I always see a posting for Amazon. Shoot. Yeah, right. There's like we're everywhere now, and it's funny because during my residency interview, I told them about my private business. I told them I was working with ATs mm-hmm. or my other co-founders. They're like, "That's all cool. You're doing all that, but where's the line between ATs and PTs? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the line at?" I'm like. Well, technically in California, there ain't no lines. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't licensed because 
UAT, UPTs keep <laughs> stopping us. Um, uh, I didn't say that, but I was like, well, I kind of did. I was like, well, we're not licensed. So, I mean, the scope of practice is kind of all over the place to yeah. a certain extent. <laughs> yep. um, but I would say the main difference is working with neuro patients and grade fives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and being able to see patients if working purely as an AT, being able to see patients without um, a physician, a physician um, mm-hmm. clearing you or standing behind you, yeah. getting clearance by them. I'd say those are the biggest things. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so this is Sandra's favorite part. This is the clinical bottom line or applicable knowledge. We need action items. So what do action you want our items. listeners... What do you want our listeners to take away from listening to this podcast the next time they work with ATs or PTs or when they choose to be, uh, choose between pursuing AT or PT? Or both like you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I would say pick their brains. Ask them why they did what they're doing. Ask them about why they're passionate about it. Right? And then you also mm-hmm. need to think about, like, ATs and PTs work together. It's not – they're not separate. Mm-hmm. they're working together as a team right? I like that yeah that's perfect that's awesome yeah and for each setting you gotta have thick skin <laughs> very um, true dude you gotta you're, you're gonna have patients sassing you you sass them right back <laughs> those are literally those are my favorite patients they come in they're sassy as hell they're like oh you're gonna do this and this and this I'm like yeah I'm gonna do this this and this and you're gonna see the change like alright I'm like yeah let's go <laughs> um and right, you gotta have thick skin. You gotta understand, mm-hmm. like you gotta be on your feet as an ET. You're gonna get yelled at by athletes. You're gonna get yelled at coaches, but mm-hmm. you just awesome. have to step up and hold your hold your hold your own floor, basically, in your own pace, and be like, no, this is what I'm doing. This is why. It's the same thing as P- as PTs. You're gonna have patients that are gonna fight back. They're not gonna want to do <laughs> their home exercises. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you gotta you gotta do the same thing, right? Um, I'd say just you gotta. Dabble your feet in both settings. Um, reach out to athletic trainers on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all healthcare providers and we're all here to help. So if you have any questions, just shoot them an email or message them, DM them, and see if they respond back. Everyone's more than happy to help a future clinician. Yeah, that's what I've noticed for sure. Like within the ATMPT community, I would say in general, most are more than willing to help out students and figuring out where mm-hmm. they want to go. Yeah. And I would say if you choose AT or PT, either way, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Either way, you're helping someone. Either way, you're going to be constantly learning new things. Right? It's nonstop. Like mm-hmm. I know people that are 30 years in, and they're like, I'm still freaking learning. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You're like, you're an ortho god. You're basically, <laughs> like, you're so well known. Everyone knows you. And you're still learning? I'm like, dang. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Scott. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. yeah, this was fun. So I found our conversation with Scott to be very insightful. I learned a lot about what PT's actually do more than what I knew going into the conversation. I kind of hinted at this at the beginning, but we as athletic trainers spend so much time educating people about our profession. And I feel like we need to spend a lot more time educating ourselves 
about like professions. And that can help also, like if you have a a difficult case or something that you're like, ooh, I don't know really how to treat this. If you know more about another profession and what they do, that can help you refer. So we challenge you to find a physical therapist who you know or maybe someone new, talk to them and learn more about what their scope of practice is and maybe do some educating on what your scope of practice is as well. And then we want you to head over to our Facebook group and let us know what you learned from them. If you're not a member of our Facebook group yet, head over to facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast. You'll automatically be let in after you answer the membership question, how did you hear about our podcast? It's a great place to network with other athletic trainers and other listeners of the show. So anyway, do you want to start talking about our next episode? So as we mentioned before, every other episode is education and telling stories. So since this was an education episode, our next episode is going to be story time. In this episode, we're talking about crazy mechanisms of injury. So this is going to be your athletes who got injured in the most bizarre way, stories that you can't even make up. Yeah, I feel like we've all had the athlete that comes in that got injured in the club. <laughs> so if you guys have a story to share about anything, go ahead and drop us a line, atcornerds at gmail.com. Have anything else to say, Randy? Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.